You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. It's Tuesday morning, 9 o'clock. If you're watching this on our stream or the video, both me and Tom look like we've seen better days. It's tired. <laughs> um, covering this team, you're like pulling your air out every Sunday, and it takes a couple of days to bounce back. So that's why we look how we do. But we are covering a 10-2 and two football team. Um, and the Detroit Lions coming up this weekend, Vikings have a chance to win the division. We'll get more into the kind of intricacies of the Lions in Thursday's episode. Kind of want to talk big picture in this episode. Tom, we talked about it the other day. They are 10 and 2, but they are 9 and 0 in one score mm-hmm. games. I think according to ESPN stats and info, that's an NFL record for most consecutive wins in one score games to start a season. I think the record for most one score game wins in a season is 10. Um the Vikings are currently 9 and 0. If history serves, they're going to play a couple more one score games, so they probably have a chance mm-hmm. to break yeah. that record. Yeah. Why? Why are they so good in these games? Why is it luck? Is it skill? Is it both? I, I mean, it, it seems unfathomable that that they're nine and zero in these these type of situations. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, which game was did they win by more than one score? And it was the Packers, obviously, and yeah, yeah. Uh, the three twenty five game to start the season, which seems like so long ago. Um, I you know even in that one, I you know I said early on like, if Watson catches that ball, that's yep. a touchdown. If Rogers scores, and it was really weird that I think they took the Lafleur took the ball out of his hands near near the goal line. If they score, that's like a 21-23 game, and that's uh, you know, that's a one-score game. So I think some of it's luck that Watson drops the ball, or you know, I mean the 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 Vikings have had some lucky bounces. I think some of it's this weird defense that we talk about, Ben don't break, that mm-hmm. they'll give up these gash plays, right? And we we're talking after the Jets game, some of the better teams may just score on those, but they are keeping the gash plays from being scoring plays and then locking down near the goal line. Um, And then obviously the biggest thing to me is that Kirk Cousins has been better in clutch situations. And I think part of that is he's been able to flush poor starts. You think of Buffalo, he didn't really start well against New England, but even the Jets game in a different kind of magnitude was pretty poor most of the game and then put together this scoring drive. So I think it's, it's probably that red zone defense and Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing though, right? Like it, we talked a lot about it on Sunday, like 
his ability to bounce back from these slow starts or the defense's ability to play a game where they just kind of get gashed, but they step up late. Um, The fact that they're all able to bounce back from whether it's from the quarterback to Dalvin Cook to Justin Jefferson to anyone on the defense, whenever they're playing poorly for a stretch, they're able to kind of ratchet it back up when, when, when it really matters. And I think part of that comes down to coaching. Part of that comes down to confidence, but, Kevin O'Connell talking to reporters yesterday. I think the quote was he was asked about like how how are you always how do you guys always manage to come through in these situations? He said, I don't think it's an accident that our team continues finding ways to win and doing enough. We're setting ourselves up to do those things to win those games in the end. Our guys are confident that we're gonna win those games because they've done it and they've proven it. I think you saw that this weekend. Like they are confident, they believe they're going to get the stop. They believe they're going to get the drive when they need to. And maybe some of that is like easy fodder for just like us to talk about on a podcast. Like, do like, I feel like they probably believe they're going to score every time they get the ball, but they don't. But like, mm-hmm. it does seem like when they have needed a drive on offense or they have needed a stop on defense, that confidence has, has risen and, and has come up and, and they've, they've gotten those, those big plays. They didn't get them last year. I think they played in 14, one score games last year and they were six and eight in those games. I think mm-hmm. there was a, kind of sense of, oh no, here we go again. If a game started to run away from the Vikings last year and years prior, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to kind of happen. That doesn't seem to exist as much this year. The game does start to run at some point, um, but they're always able to get it back on track. Yeah. I was thinking back. Um, so Patrick Peterson was advocating for Mike Zimmer after the Packers lost when it became clear Zimmer was out, the season was over. It was as devastating of a loss as you could add last year. And he said something along the lines is like, oh, we'd be like a three loss team if we just kept winning games, you know, that were like by one score or whatever. And you're like, you know, you wonder if, if yeah. like Quasi and, and O'Connell were like, yeah, that's what we're trying to do this year. Um, I don't know if this is by design. It's likely, you know, they've talked about, I think more and more they've been willing to admit like, eh, we should have stepped on the gas against the Jets or the Chicago. Or, you know, I mean, there's not much more you could do in that Patriots game. They're not, there's not much more you could do in the Buffalo game. Certainly yeah. you could have like made the, the Dallas game more competitive, but we saw in that game, the Colts kind of hung with them for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, like once that damn breaks, you, they just get so out of control, right? Um, so, you know, but there are some of these games that could step on the gas and I think they are kind of playing with fire, especially as they get into better, you know, competition, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think part of it is it's two completely separate situations with Zimmer. It was a guy who knew his job was on the line going into this season and not, I actually thought he was a great coach for a while. I think at some point, you know, we're seeing more offensive coaches, more younger coaches, more kind of collaborative coaches rather than, um, authoritarian. But I think, um, that's always going to a coach in his seventh or eighth year is going to be under a lot of pressure where naturally O'Connell comes in and they created pressure for themselves by not burning it down. They could have gone through this kind of this whole, Hey, we got to flush the whole thing and start from scratch or whatever, but he still just has less pressure because he's, he's new. You know what I mean? There's only so many expectations in the first year, especially after you're coming off of five, you know, two um, 500 seasons. And and then you get into what, what's been emphasized, how different O'Connell and Zimmer are, offensive, defensive coach, but also like an older guy who's kind of hard bitten, who didn't even think he was going to get the job, right? He said he didn't, he wasn't even going to show up for the interview. To O'Connell, who got interviewed by multiple places coming off a of Super Bowl, part of the McVeigh scheme, 
young, you know, kind of cheery or whatever, you know, like he, he's all about culture and stuff like that. So I think, I think it's, there's been a lot emphasized between the two coaches and that makes sense, but it's also two completely different situations that the coaches were in. That's, that's fair. But I do think like O'Connell has made the most of his situation. He's come in and I think culture is such a buzzword in sports. Mm-hmm. Like if a team underperforms you just automatically blame culture if a team overperforms some would argue like the vikings are doing right now you automatically chalk it up to well their culture is so good they always know they're going to come through but i do think there's something to that this year with o'connell and i've seen it in like a lot of these videos like sports teams across like all sports are doing this but the vikings are doing a good job this year like kind of giving you like a behind the scenes look whether it's mm. kevin o'connell's speech in the locker room yeah. post game or kevin o'connell mic'd up that entire game against the patriots they just dropped that video last week i'm sure they'll drop another this week but you see these interactions that he's having with players and like they seem genuine and i think mm-hmm. it would be hard to fake that this year for the 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 amount of time and the amount of videos and the amount of content that they've dropped like this isn't an act. It does seem like that he he cares about these dudes. He talks to them like they're they're people, like they're peers almost. It's not like this hierarchy, like my way or the highway. Listen to mm-hmm. me. And so I think culture does kind of matter in this. And so I, while I I think you're right, like the situations that that each coaches were in were, were different. Like Simmer's situation in in the end of his Vikings tenure mm-hmm. to O'Connell's situation this year, where the pressure is it's starting to ramp up now because they're 10 and two and they they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders, but there wasn't a ton of pressure this, this year. And I think that kind of allows you to coach more freely. That allows you to your players to kind of play more freely. But I think he deserves credit for that too, because he has cultivated this thing where it's like, we're all in this together and it, we like are working towards the same goal and like no one is better than anyone else. Yeah. I, and I think the culture does matter in the sense, like think of that Cincinnati team that came out of nowhere. Like imagine what, you know, Vikings fans were thinking in week one, where they're like, got to right. take care of business in Cincinnati because you know, you have clicks cliff Kingsbury and you have to go into Arizona the next week and you're starting two games on the road. And it's very funny to think of like Arizona's situation with cliff Kingsbury, who I think is a smart football coach loses the team in the second half of the season is fighting with a quarterback who makes a whole bunch of money. You know what I mean? Like, like think of that disaster there and how much talent uh, Arizona has. And then Cincinnati, the number one thing is you have Joe Burrow, who's a winner, who's a star quarterback. He has enough weapons around him to get the job done. But Zach Taylor is actually probably not like a great X's and O's coach. He got promoted, like I think from quarterbacks coach or something like that. Um, And it's more, he makes, being on the Bengals fun right and I think he doesn't wear on guys and I think he probably isn't I I think there's guys who Monday morning they flip on the film and they yell at all the players right and some of these guys go dude we're not gonna be perfect like it's a chaotic game or whatever um so I do I do think the the culture side you know matters a lot I think the other thing with O'Connell is you know those videos obviously we understand like that is not his entire speech they're they're cutting out certain parts. They're removing the, the swear words, yeah. Um, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. But I think you see, I know people have on Twitter put up like the Zimmer um, after games, after wins and O'Connell. And you're like, Zimmer's just matter of fact. He's like, good job. Won that game. We got a meeting tomorrow. And, and I do, I mean, I think there's guys who show up and just do work. I think especially veterans, like you think of someone like Har- Harrison Smith's mentality, mm-hmm. like he's a really fun player. He, I think he's just about business. Like, I think he, you know what I mean? He treats it like a job. I think you think of guys like Eric Kendricks, who is so much joy and again, a special player in his own right. Like 
I think it wears on him probably to have even a defensive genius, but a guy kind of like that. And, and I think what O'Connell did well in building out his staff, I thought he was just going to have like little mini O'Connell's, right. You'd be like, you know, Kevin O'Connell and that just kind of like guys like him. Wes Phillips is a very different personality. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously comes from the pedigree of dad and, and grandpa were, were coaches and, and all that stuff um, certainly knows offense, but like, he's kind of this wry. He's a really unique personality. Totally. Donatello is actually kind of, if you like lined him and Zimmer up their careers and even like at their ages and stuff and the both coach defense, although coach it very differently, but you'd be like, Oh, this is Zimmer guy, but Donatello's very different personality, right? Kind of the Zimmer skill set with, with a different kind of mental approach. And then you have Matt Daniels who, who is like, I just use the podium to like crack jokes. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, and also, but by the way, he is smart in his own right. He gets guys excited to play special teams, which sucks. Like you're not, you know, almost everyone on the special teams, except for, I guess the returners, I kind of like offensive linemen. You only notice them if they don't do their job. And he created a nickname for each of these guys. He drew up a play. I mean, this is according to him, of course, but like, we're like, how, how did Kenny run that one back against Patriots? And he goes, ah, I just took a Sharpie and drew up a play. So he ha- there's some genius in what he does. I think he instructs the players well. But think of how different those personalities are. And there's probably, if you're in that locker room, you probably identify with someone, someone on the mm-hmm. coaching staff, yep. right? And so I think he's done a good job. You know, I look at him like before the game. I don't know if you've noticed this. He greets every player individually. And we've actually yeah. heard audio of that, right? But I, I noticed that right away. I was like, and, and maybe Zimmer did that and I just didn't see it. But as they're stretching, kind of has a little conversation with each guy. And I think if you can make each player feel like they're unique and special, right? Obviously, Justin Jefferson is going to feel, feel that way. Kirk Cousins because of the quarterback position. Harrison Smith, because he's probably a Hall of Famer, right? But like, if you can make Chris Boyd and Josh Metellus and Johnny Munt, right, feel that way, you are going to get the best performance out of them. And that's maybe the genius of O'Connell in his, in his culture. Yeah, I think that's a nice way of, of kind of summing it up. Like, it's it's something that's pretty unquantifiable at the end of the day. Like, we can't say, like, number of humans talk to pregame yeah. equals number of wins, but you're a hundred percent right. Like if guys feel comfortable, if guys feel wanted, if guys feel valued, they're going to give just a little bit more. And that's, that's just a cold, that's like a stone cold fact. Like mm-hmm. if they feel that sort of like ownership to the team, they're going to give a little more to the team. I think mm-hmm. you're seeing that kind of play out week in and week out. But as we've kind of mentioned time and time again, like, you're going to need to run away with games. You're going mm-hmm. to need to like perform in moments that like the game is hanging in the balance and you can take it over. You got to mm-hmm. take it over because you can't let teams hang around. We saw it with Joe Burrow in, in the Cincinnati Bengals. You talked about Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. We saw it this week. They hung around with the Chiefs. They won. They won at the end. Mm-hmm. Kansas City didn't get the ball back. Saw it last night with Tom Brady. Like, say what you want, say he's washed. He's still Tom Brady and come fourth quarter and come playoffs. You you mean to tell me that if Tom Brady was playing quarterback for the jets the other day, they wouldn't have won that game. They wouldn't have found a way to score a touchdown in that moment. They would have. So you need to find ways to take over games. But I think the fact that they continue to win these one score games, they continue to have this, this culture and this clutchness about them partially due to to what O'Connell has done, partially due to kind of the results they've seen on the field. That's all going to help come playoff time. 
And, and I think it's something that they have prepared themselves for what will be inevitably tight games in the playoffs just because of how they've performed to this point. Yeah, I think I think one of the things is like you need to give people permission to fail, right? Like totally talking about before that, you know, even the best players are going to be imperfect. I think he's done that around the goal line. And it's just like I Jordan Hicks, again, plays this important role as the linebacker in the defense. He just talks about like we just focus play to play. And I think you're allowed to do that if you're like, well, we screwed up because we're so far back in the end zone because we gave up 80 yards here. But that doesn't mean we have to get, you know, seed the rest of them. Right. And I think, you know, I, I think there's some permission to fail there. I think with Cousins, you can have two bad interceptions against Buffalo. You can have the bad interception and nearly another one against New England and, and come back and play well. Um, what the players have to understand, or maybe O'Connell has to articulate, is you also have the permission to fail in a situation where you're up 20, 20 to six. And we're trying to step on the gas. That means that does mean risky passes. That means, you know, you can't play conservative at that point. I don't know how to equate that to the defense, but that's that maybe is just the next step. And I think it's really interesting what you can evolve from Cousins, right? We knew in a little better situation, he'd probably perform a little better, but I don't think he's actually dramatically better. And he's actually selling people that he's like worse, right? He's like, mm-hmm. he, you look at his stats and stuff. It is, I still am convinced like that doesn't matter if you're good in situational play, but you know, he, that is probably the next step is like you can throw an interception in the third quarter if you're trying to push the ball down the field to try to step on the gas as long as like that interception doesn't turn into a devastating series of events. And so, you know, that's probably the next step there is you have permission to fail even when you, you're not forced into making a play. No doubt. They're not in on one score games, though. You, you mentioned obviously empowering other players. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about one guy um, after the break. Um, he's become a small part of the offense, maybe someone they can use a little bit more. Uh, more on that when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, alongside Tom Schreier. We're coming at you Tuesday morning. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a follow. We're at Inside Purple and Gold, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're following us, it'll end up on your phone. You won't even have to come search every Tuesday, Thursday, and anytime after a, a game, whether that's Sunday afternoon, and Sunday night, Thursday night, Super Bowl Sunday, who knows? But mm. if you're following us, it'll come right to your phone. You won't even have to look. Tom, before the break, we were talking about Kevin O'Connell making everyone feel valued on this team, kind of giving people like a license to fail, making getting the most out of players. And I think a good person that is kind of a good example of that, and he hasn't had like a huge role on the team this year, but he was brought in as damaged goods is, mm-hmm. is Jalen Rieger, a guy who has just basically been getting clowned the duration of his career because he went to pick before Justin Jefferson. Yeah. The Philadelphia Eagles on the clock took Jalen Rieger, the next pick. There's even videos of this Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, literally laughing at, at Howie Roseman because they couldn't believe mm-hmm. that they took Rieger over Jefferson. Rieger flames out in Philly. Jefferson obviously takes off in Minnesota and the mm-hmm. Vikings acquire Jalen Rieger the beginning of the year basically for nothing 
for, for pennies on the dollar. And he comes in, he, he's the punt returner immediately. I think he feels valued though this year, and you're starting to see him be used situationally. He has a skill set. He is by no means in the same stratosphere as Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen for that matter. But he's fast, he's twitchy, he has a skill set, and he can get the, the edge. And then you're seeing Kevin O'Connell work to get him the ball. There was an eight-yard jet sweep the other day, which it looked like it was. It could have been more if, if one more hat gets on another hat. And then he had that 38-yard reception, basically caught it like a punt return because like the ball yeah. floated up in the air. Kirk, Kirk gave him a chance, though, and Jalen Rager made a play. Uh, he's a guy who I think serves as a really good example of like what you can get out of someone if you just give them a chance, if you just make them feel valued, I'm not saying Jalen Rager makes a huge difference in, in a playoff game and wins you, you know, the NFC divisional game or the NFC championship game. But I think he can give you valuable minutes, valuable plays um, throughout the rest of the regular season. And, and perhaps even a little bit in the playoffs. Yeah. So I was looking at that trade here. This is the uh, Eagles trade him to the Vikings for a seventh round pick this year. And there's so 2023 and then 2024 conditional. So fourth or fifth, it's not like they gave up nothing, but considering what we've seen before, especially like emergency uh, um, before season trades, I mean, that's fourth round is Chris Herndon, right? So it's a little yeah. more than Chris Herndon. Um, I think, uh, and people remember the Yannick Ngakwe debacle or whatever. I think Kari Vedvik. Yeah. Kari Ved with fifth round pick. So yeah, we're, you know, a little perspective there. I think the, um, uh, think of like they had Amir Smith Marset right as the mm-hmm. returner Matt Daniels looked pretty nonplussed about him in the preseason <laughs> um and I think you know you made the immediate upgrade there and my mind immediately went to oh this is Quasi doing special teams a solid right that like he understands that you can get burned in that phase of the game um yeah. and obviously it sticks out in my mind because Matt Daniels just raved about him right I mean to the extent I was like should you be really, saying this in public? Uh, this really is a very graphic description, it. yeah, of, of Jalen Rager, and this is just kind of Matt Daniels and his maybe his genius or whatever. But like, um, I saw him as like the returner. He is not. He's been fine there, but like he has not been like a difference maker, right? Um, right. I the the whole pass catching and receiving situation is unique in that Justin Jefferson's obviously been otherworldly. Thielen has taken a step back. I'm still like, I'm convinced he's hurt just because when he gets hurt, you know what I mean? And like inside down plays, he runs off the field. I'm like, well, his season's over. You know what I mean? It's like, he looks yeah. like he's in so much pain. And so I think he's playing through something. I don't, having said that, we know the effects of aging and like, no matter how good of a route runner you are, if you're not as quick or whatever, it's, it's not, it's going to matter less and less. So it does seem like at some point you need someone to step in and w, you know, wide receiver too. But then after that, you know, you have Hawkinson who's a, this unique player. Um, and then Osborne, isn't hasn't maybe he's he was never going to take the leap he took last year because that was such a monumental leap but like he hasn't improved in my eyes but i mean again he kind of bailed him out against the patriots stole a interception cousins has looked at him you know third down um mm-hmm. in, in certain situations and so i'm wondering where rager fits in because like he'd naturally kind of be in the osborne role right and given room to grow but osborne occupies that and i don't know if the team sees him more as like here's a guy who can do jet sweeps. Right. And like, and I kind of would like to see more of that, you know, maximize the value of this player. I don't know if on that deep pass. So cousins was hit, I think. And I think that's why it was off. Um, But like, he made a great adjustment to the ball. He had enough separation that he like, you know, he could make a catch on that play, I guess. 
Um, and he should have the upside of being this guy who was drafted in the first round. Um, my mind kind of goes towards the draft where they took Treadwell because obviously famously Treadwell had a bad rookie year and was not very good in Minnesota. And I think there was some speculation that like Josh Dotson, they wanted him and that Washington took him the pick before, right? And then we saw Josh Dotson and I think Dotson had some injury issues, but like we saw him and we were like, well, it wasn't a matter of like someone snagged their guy and they, you know, panicked and took someone else. Both players did not pan out as NFL players. This kind of happens with receivers, but I'm very curious, like, if Minnesota is able to get the most out of Rager, what is that, right? Is it a jet sweeps guy? Is it simply just a dynamic returner? Or is it someone who like steps in and kind of threatens Osborne or like gives, I mean, this would be the highest, highest upside. I think very improbable, but like puts himself in position to leap into the W, you know, receiver two spot. If Thielen falls apart. So I'm just, I just like, I'm very curious what his upside is because clearly it was not tapped into in Philly. Yeah. And, and you start, you know, he has a year left on his contract next year. He has one more year. So you're right. He could step into a different role if he's able to kind of continue to show that improvement. Um, but I just think like whether it is just a jet sweeps guy this year, he offers enough dynamic ability with the ball in his hands. Maybe not a bad idea to get him a touch here or there by no means though. Are we saying that like the Vikings need to like draw up, schemes for, for Jalen no, Rager. No, no. It's, it's situationally, but I, th- I think it, he's an interesting kind of microcosm to the larger point me and Tom were making about like, you make guys feel empowered. They are going to give you a play here and a play there. He also benefits. I think cousins intentionally moves the ball around, right? You almost have yep, to, because yep. if you just throw the Jefferson, they'll just guard him. Right. <laughs> right. But like, um, but I think, uh, I think the other thing is he thinks so like literally cousins does that. Like if you're open on third down, he'll just throw it to you. You know what I mean? And so I think Rager can benefit like from just doing his job. I think Osborne does. I don't know if, I don't think they ever really intentionally go to Osborne on third down, but he does. He's but, thrown to Johnny Munt in big situations. Yeah. Right. So I think Rager's in a situation to succeed. And I just think Philadelphia is a tough place to go. You're either kind of a hero, or even if you are, think of like where Wentz was and, and Wentz in his own way has hurt his career. But like, he took a steep fall and that's just a big East coast market. That's tough to play. in. so I think, I think what, what the Vikings can benefit, obviously you have to draft well and you should retain your best players. But if the third element is you create a change of scenery, that's effective for lack of a better word, they will benefit from this. Cause there are, I think a, a lot of players who like are just in bad organizations and everyone goes, that guy sucks. They're a bust. They just chose the wrong guy. And then someone else grabs them and you're like, no, that guy who's a perfectly fine player. He just, the coaching staff sucked and the fans jumped on him. Right. You know? So yeah. I think, I think, you know, that's, this is kind of a test case early on for the change of scenery aspect, the, the benefiting from someone else's mistake essentially and bringing that guy in who's talented. For sure. And it, it's, it works because the Vikings didn't bring tread or not Treadwell. They got rid of Treadwell because the Vikings didn't bring Rieger in with like unrealistic expectations yeah. attached to him. It wasn't like we're trading for Jalen Rieger. The, the Eagles screwed up. We're making him our slot guy and he's going to dominate. It was trading for Rieger. He has a skill set we know will make our team better immediately, punt returner. And mm-hmm. maybe he has certain aspects to his game, certain elements that, that went unused in Philly, or he wasn't able to tap into because the fans in Philly just roasted him from the jump. Like that's hard to succeed in. And I give Jalen Rieger a lot of credit. I actually did not think we'd ever be talking about Rieger as much as we currently are. Mm -hmm. But like when he first got acquired by the Vikings, he did like six interviews, basically 
in in succession, whether it was the, the group interview or the random TV interview that missed out on the group interview before, or my guy Chris Thomason just cornering him at his yeah, locker yeah. to talk about more things that he's already talked about two or three times in a row. <laughs> and, and he like he always did these interviews. And the same the questions were always like, Are you embarrassed? Or like, are you like do you yeah, feel no. like you constantly get to get compared to Justin Jefferson or like, how do you get through all the, and he like handled it like a pro. And like, from that moment forward, I was like, look, even if this guy doesn't pan out, like respect to this dude for talking to all these people about yeah, like, yeah. like it, he, it must've weighed on him so much throughout his time in Philly. Yet he came to Minnesota, had a pretty good attitude about it, stepped to the mic, answered all the questions. And it's just like, kind of put his head down and gone about his business. And like, most importantly, has not cost the Vikings, has not muffed a punt this year. I think he's bobbled a couple, but he has not lost yeah. a fumble this year. Um, and that is literally why he was brought in. Like everything else you get, everything else from this point forward that you get out of Jalen Rager it, it is like a cherry on top. They brought him in because he can catch punts, because he is a punt returner, and because Amir Smith Marsmet could not. So I respect that guy. I, I, I think he is limited in the role he's going to have on this team and probably teams moving forward. Um, but nice to kind of see him at least get a little bit of spotlight, you know, a play here, a play there. Um, I think he's been effective when he's done that. Yeah. You can see why like in interviews and stuff, teams would have liked him, right? Like the personable kind of patient, all that stuff. I, the truth is this is why players deserve second chances is just because they don't, pan out and one team doesn't mean they're bad and good on the Vikings to identify a guy especially in a weird situation where he's literally sharing the locker room with with Justin Jefferson but yeah um that identify that guy and and, and um uh have your special teams guy rave about it right away so everyone focuses on that I guess for sure yeah he's got a nice calves yeah big glutes great quads what is happening here i don't you know i'm trying to think of who ficken was the guy last year or whatever i don't think ficken was ever raving about glutes (laughs) yeah i think i think matt daniels my guy i can't talk about that dude enough love him but he i think he used the word salivating when he was talking about jalen rager yeah yeah i was like dude this is on tv like kids watch this dude yeah yeah it's amazing (laughs) sir someone else and, and i'm curious if you have anyone else like Jalen Rager is is someone who, like we said, offense will never be schemed around him, but he could step up, make some plays here and there. Vikings might need him to make a big play at some point in the down the stretch in the regular season in the playoffs. Another player that comes to mind, and and it's not like he, he, this guy. I'm not like digging deep into the roster, like into the 52nd man, but like a guy that I think could play a huge role in the final five weeks of the regular season. And if he's able to kind of gain traction into the playoffs is Cam Dantzler because he comes back this year, this week from his injury. I think he's, he's set to return from the IR this week. Um, It sounds like talking to O'Connell yesterday, he's going to be full go ready to go ready to practice at least and kind of see how that thing reacts. Vikings need him, man. Cause Caleb Evans is now in the concussion protocol for the second time in three weeks. You hate to see that. Um, happy to Christian Garrison. Happened to Caleb Evans too. And you just knew that it, it, Caleb Evans got kind of friendly fired by, by Harrison Smith trying to dislodge a ball and he smoked his head by the back of his head on the ground. And you just knew he, he had a concussion. And so you lose him Duke Shelley while he's, he's a fun story and Mm -hmm. you know, He's, red zone, he's, red zone negator or whatever. He's yeah. not like yeah. it, it's not someone you want to rely on. So Cam Danzler is someone who 
I, I think the Vikings are going to need to kind of step up, elevate his game. He's kind of an interesting case study, Cam Dancer, because it's like he grades out pretty well, like in a lot of the, the pro football focused things because he's like good in, in, in coverage, um, but he gets beat a lot too. He, like, there was a play at the beginning. I think it was in the Eagles game. It looked like it was Cam Bynum's fault on that deep route. to Yeah. Quest yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was Cam, Cam Dancer's fault. Like he mm-hmm. passed him off to like someone who wasn't there in that space. So Cam Dancer, like just kind of freelances. It seems like he does his own thing. I think you kind of heard parts of that in, in, from Kevin O'Connell and Ed Donatel and, and even going back to training camp, like we just got to get this guy to play the system, but he's really talented. He plays fast. He plays hard. Um, and I think because of injuries and, and just lack of depth at the cornerback position, Andrew Booth, obviously out for the year now at the knee, the Vikings are going to need a guy like Cam Dancer to step up. So he's another guy I look at like Rieger on the offensive side of the ball might need to make some plays. Dancer is going to be super, super important on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, so my mind went to Booth or Dancer, right? The the fact that they need that cornerback help. I think uh, Donatel's talked about how they're going to protect guys. They're going to protect like a Duke Shelley or their, their depth guys. I do think that like screws up with the geometry, right? It just naturally yeah, yeah. will. And I think it, I'm not fully excusing the fact that like Mike White and Mac Jones really kind of chew through <laughs> this defense, but it's like some of that's just coaching, right? That they, someone up in the booth is going, they're protecting Duke Shelley over here. There's, there's right. spots in the middle of the field where Mac Jones can make a throw. Mike White can make a throw. So um, I think, yeah, it, it's with Booth, it's like be a little patient with the younger player. With Dancer, you just want him to put it together because he's at that age where he should be hitting his prime and that he, right. Patrick Peterson won't be the player he is forever. I understand like Arizona doubted him and he's kind of fed off that doubt and happy with the new situation and has been special at times this year. I just think you look at him 32 years old, like it's kind of the feeling thing. He's fine now. He's, you got to move on to someone else. And I just don't want the organization to go back to what it was doing before. I understand Zimmer through specifically a defensive mindset goes, this is a passing league. Get me corners. I don't think it's efficient. I think we know this to keep getting corners in the first round. You know what I mean? At some point you have to diversify how many positions, you know, you're, you're picking with those high picks. And I think where Spielman kind of got dogged for early picks. I was like, I think he's just helping the coach out who prioritizes Mm -hmm. cornerbacks. That's what he coached. That's where the league's going. So, um, you know, they need guys like dancer to step up and, and, and be effective for when, you know, Harrison Smith's gone and, and Patrick Peterson's gone and, and whatnot. And so I think, I think, for example, on the safety side, Bynum's kind of done his part or is progressing yep. to doing his part. Yep. You want to see, you know, Cam Dancer on the same trajectory. For sure. All right. When we come back, we're going to break down. We talked a lot about Kevin O'Connell in segment one. Um, we're not going to be breaking any news. Like he's, I think he's second in, in, in odds to win mm-hmm. coach of the year, but we're going to dig more into that when, when we come back. Um, he's been spectacular this year, deserves all the credit he's getting. Um, more on Kevin O'Connell and his candidacy for coach of the year when we return. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier, breaking down the Vikings, 10-2 and two football team, 9-0 and in, in one-score games. It's Tuesday morning. When we come back on Thursday morning, we'll talk more about that Lions game coming up, kind of dig into the Lions roster, a team that's playing a heck of a lot better than I think any of us expected about a month ago. But the Vikings can win the NFC North this weekend with a win in Detroit. Like I said, a 10-2 football team, second-best record in the NFL, 9-0 in one-score games, and a lot of that has to do with the head coach. 
Um, we talked a lot about him in segment one, kind of the empowerment he gives to different players, the culture he has established here, kind of the antithesis of Mike Zimmer in kind of every single way and, and how that has kind of reached heights. I don't even think Quasi Adolfo Mensa thought they could reach in, in, in year one. And because of that, like, he deserves to be in the coach of the year discussion. I, like right now we're looking at DraftKings. We kind of use the DraftKings Sportsbook just because it's like uniform. We use it for the purple prop party on Thursdays and player props on Thursdays and game lines and whatever. But anywhere you want to look at a, a sports book, uh, most people will have uh, every sports book in the world. will have Nick Sirianni as, as the yeah. overwhelming favorite to win coach of the year. DraftKings has him at minus 175, but right on his tail, Kevin O'Connell plus 400. Um, just to give you a couple more, Robert Sala for the New York Jets plus 1,000. Mike McDaniel for the, the Miami yeah. Dolphins plus 1,000. Um, Brian Dable's fallen a little because the, the Giants have kind yeah. of fallen off um, plus 2,200. So no one really matters outside of Sirianni and O'Connell. I think it would take a lot for both of those guys to fall off and someone else kind of rise up. We, we kind of did this with the MVP discussion last week, Tom, like Justin Jefferson being like plus, I think he was like plus 10,000, something yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And like Patrick Mahomes being like minus 160. Should coach of the year, like, I guess this, it it, it can change. Like if, if the mm-hmm. Eagles lose at any point and, and the Vikings continue to win, like those odds will shift. But like, it seems pretty right to me. Minus 175 for Sirianni plus 400 for O'Connell. I think if you if you want to make some money like O'Connell might be a smart bet because really all you need is is one loss for the Eagles and that line could change but like does yeah. that feel right to you when you kind of think about like the holistic season both teams are both having it does I understand why Dable dropped off I still think that's a really well coached team that's really really is a really bad roster right yeah um I'm and sorry. he's doing it in New York we can't forget same thing with Sirianni you know I remember being in Philadelphia, I was talking to the Uber driver who drove me down to the stadium and I was just kind of picking his mind on the team. And he kind of landed on like, it's a weird situation where they have everything can hurts deliver. And that's, you go, well, okay. But that, that's like, that's the most important player. You know what I mean? Right. And that's really tough. You're in Philadelphia. The quarterbacks can be scrutinized. You have uncertainty there. There's a lot of pressure. We've seen this in Minnesota over and over again, right? The really good teams, who's the quarterback. And so um, I think he's done a really good job. I know why he's there. I don't think like Mike McCarthy is going to be part of this conversation, but like the Cowboys are changing how people view them week to week, right? Blow right. up Minnesota, um, blow out the Colts aren't pretty good, but like a lot of people watch that game and that's 54 or whatever is a ridiculous number. It hurts him that he went back to Lambeau and lost to a really beatable Packers team, especially sure. with a lot of his fans in the crowd and especially kind of like where you know the trajectory of those two teams they kind of needed that win so um you know some of that's going to be held against him also i just don't think he's that great of a coach i think he's coaching really talented players um you know i think if seattle had stayed on a trajectory they were in the beginning of the year like think of pete carroll he he knew in his locker room i got Russell Wilson, who, by the way, like there's reports that he's the problem in Denver, not Hackett, which I think is really interesting. He he played his cards really close to the best, right? And like they got a haul for Russell Wilson, who was past his prime, at least in terms of like 33 and, and you know, isn't the player he was at 27 or whatever. Um, got a haul 
and then was like, I got a guy, Geno Smith, who's pretty good. I mean, I again, that's he's not going to win coach of the year, but there's there's some of these guys who you're like, maybe they should get a little more buzz given how their teams are doing or what they're doing with the team they have. Having said that, like O'Connell deserves it because like the Pats game, for example, to me is O'Connell could have seated Jefferson in that, try to kind of work around what Belichick was trying to do. You could have even excused him coming off a short week, a devastating loss. And that could have been kind of a vicious cycle from there, right? Yeah. Instead, he coaches toe to toe. And I know they got the kick return. And I keep going like throughout that game because the, the Vikings also gave up a 50 yard. I was like, why are you guys kicking to the returners over and over again or whatever? Yeah. But um, I know he, you know, he benefited from that. And there's there's certain things maybe like his straight up coaching didn't help, but like he did, he was like, Justin Jefferson, we're going to go beat the Patriots. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if he can hold it together here, it's very winnable down, down the stretch here. He could hurt himself late, but he can really solidify a case. I mean, it, it would require Dallas beating Philadelphia. And the Correct. problem is Philadelphia just doesn't play anyone. I was looking this up. It's like they play New York twice, which seemed tough, but it's not Chicago uh the saints who we just saw and like <laughs> saints didn't look that good <laughs> um so they didn't look good in london when they played the vikings either so like you know i think i think it's listen you don't deserve to win that award if if you lose in philadelphia in week two and that's harsh i mean that was the second game he coached yeah. um but uh but he's put himself in that position in a year where there's a lot of intriguing storylines right i mean even again Pete carroll's not going to win it but like even Pete Carroll kind of trusts in his gut on his quarterback or again, I don't think McCarthy should win it, but like this resurgent Dallas Cowboy team that, you know, all of a sudden looks um, like they could get in for the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's a good point. Like Kevin O'Connell in the second game of his coaching career got schooled by Nick yep. Sirianni. So maybe that's why the odds are so, so overwhelming and, overwhelming is probably not the right word, but like so heavy in, in Sirianni's favor because essentially he holds the tiebreaker over O'Connell too. Like the Eagles mm -hmm. hold the tiebreaker over the Vikings for the one seed and Sirianni then in, in turn holds the tiebreaker over O'Connell. But if the Vikings are somehow able to continue to win football games, finish 14 and three, 15 and two, and the Eagles fall off somehow, then you could see it flip, but it, it's just going to be hard for Kevin O'Connell to overtake Sirianni, just like it's going to be hard for the Vikings to overtake this, the the Philadelphia Eagles for the one seed. You have to be a good coach to keep winning in these situations. I understand totally. Cousins has been good. I know that like Justin Jefferson sometimes a cheat code, but like it's not just the X's and O's and and getting the right play in, although that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. But it's you could sense Zimmer's tension kind of throughout the locker room totally. right and i think uh o'connell is a first-year coach with a pretty talented team and some expectations coming in he could have been a different guy you know he just could have and i think he's been the same dude that the fact that he his press conference was so good to start the year right his introductory press yes. conference they play it on the jumbotron we're what like more than halfway into the season he's been that same guy kind of self-assured and self-confident but also like very relaxed and it's a very it's great to have those two traits and i think i think that's kind of what this team has been there's no longer because zimmer was pointing at guys other guys were pointing at guys in the locker room and here it's a lot of hey 
I mean, the funny thing is O'Connell said after they beat the Jets, he's like, man, I could have worked on a lot. By the way, he could have. It was not a great game. But no. like the fact that he's he's opened himself up to criticism. I think the funny thing is the players aren't going like, hey, O'Connell, what the hell against Dallas? What the hell did we do in the third quarter there coming out of halftime? It's again, it's cousins. I got to be better. You know, it, basically everyone except for Justin Jefferson is like, yeah, I probably could do a little more, you know, and I think that's a it's a good culture going back to what we were saying before. Yeah, and it probably does start at the top, right? Like Kirk Cousins for the longest under Mike Zimmer was like deflect, deflect, deflect. Mm-hmm. Each game's its own entity. Cliche, cliche, cliche. I'm not taking any accountability because if I do, then I admit fault and then I open myself up to criticism that way. I'm already mm-hmm. getting enough. He is like overwhelmingly being accountable this year. And it's because, like you said, the first thing Kevin O'Connell said about the third quarter lull in the Jets game is like, I got to be way better. I got to look inward. I got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And and you're seeing kind of that ownership kind of spread to the team. Like you said, each player, whether it's cousins or Dalvin cook or maybe not Justin Jefferson. Cause what else can he freaking do? But even, even Justin Jefferson hasn't felt like he had to say like cousins needs to get me the ball. I'm yes, the best yes. receiver, all this stuff. He, he, he actually, I thought for a very young player, like handled the whole Zimmer situation really well. And now that there's this big ESPN story on him and I guess Zimmer and him just never talked or whatever, but like, you know, I think, I think he handled that whole situation well, but it is to be fair. He's been really clear. I don't want to be a diva. I, whatever. I think in his own way, he's like, I'm just doing my job. You're just like, well, yeah, your job entails like the most ridiculous catch ever in Buffalo <laughs> and trying to convince the quarterback who's really conservative to throw into double coverage. It's not a super easy job. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, even think of like the ball that was thrown behind him. He should have caught it. But um, in the Jets game, yes. like he was pissed at himself and made it really clear. So, again, good on him to be like, I should catch the ball. I'm capable of doing that. And so, um, yeah, kind of across the board. It is funny. Um, we'll kind of leave it here, but the the Kevin O'Connell that exudes a lot of like confidence and calm and brings this sort of I don't know Zen, if you want, if you will, to the Vikings. This weekend, we'll be going up against Dan Quinn, who is pretty mm. much like it, mm. he gets a lot out of his team in in his own way, but he's the opposite. He, he's he's a he, just everything that Kevin O'Connell does, I think it's Dan Quinn or D- Dan Campbell does it in the opposite. And I, yeah. I'm excited to kind of watch those two styles clash because there was a point in time I thought like the hard knocks aura had worn off. Dan Campbell was done mm-hmm. in, in Detroit, but he's turned that team around. I think he's going to get another year. And all of a sudden the Lions look dangerous. That's not a walkover game that's a game tom last week said he it's the game that scares him most on the schedule mm-hmm. and it's i'm finding it hard to argue with you at this point because that's going to be a big game um i can't wait to watch it on sunday i think it's going to be a you know an entertaining game when we come back on thursday we'll talk more about that i think we're going to have a lions guest on from our brother podcast um, who covers the detroit lions um, so we'll dig more into that we'll dig into the differences between o'connell and campbell and the, the how the Detroit offense has kind of taken next steps and, and what the Vikings need to do to kind of get through, uh, you know, another against the poorest defense. All of that coming up on Thursday. But that's all we got today for Tom Schreier. I'm Dane Mizutani. This has been Inside Purple and Gold. We'll talk to you in a couple of days.
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.